Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanovsky with you. Learning today, Tractate Yoma, page pay bet or 82. The first thing that the page takes up is the education of children in mitzvot. It says, One shouldn't uh, uh, afflict children, or as a, a kid in my shul translated the, the other day, you shouldn't torture children. Absolutely right. You shouldn't torture children. You shouldn't apply the afflictions. Uh, but you teach them how to observe. One or two years before they are required to fast. So they will become accustomed to the mitzvot. And different Amoraim give different views of exactly how one is supposed to apply it as it comes down in the legal tradition. The basic idea is that 13-year-old boys, 12-year-old girls are required by the Torah to fulfill all of the afflictions and the, and the fasting on Yom HaKippurim. That uh, a year or so before those dates, let's call it 11 for a girl and 12 for a boy, although you'll find sources say 11 for both boys and girls, they are required by the sages to fast. And a year or so before that, a healthy kid at about age nine, or a uh, a, a weaker, not not as physically hale kid at about age ten, should simply eat less and delay the amount of the, the delay the time that they were supposed to eat. If they usually eat lunch at noon, push it off till till two o'clock so that they will grow more accustomed to fasting. My own, one of my own kids at about eight years old insisted on fasting all the way through. Uh, probably a bad parenting moment on my part. Most of our page today, though, is taken up with the most important mitzvah in Judaism uh, of pikuach nefesh, of saving a life, and how that might sometimes conflict with Yom Kippur, uh, because sometimes fasting can make you sick, and it might even make you dangerously sick. And the Mishnah in the middle of the page takes up the question of a pregnant woman who uh, smells food and she says she absolutely needs food. Well, you should feed her. Until she, until meshiv nafsha, until she get, regains a little bit of, uh, of mental composure, and similarly, a sick person, you should feed them alpi uh, bikiin. It says uh, according to the testimony of experts, that is to say, whatever kind of physician was in ancient times, somebody knew best. And if there's no physician around, you feed them alpi atzmo. You feed them on their own say so. And certainly, as a uh, pulpit rabbi, as a community rabbi. I've given that advice many times as a matter of practical halakha. You know, we have a basic assumption that people uh, are trying to fulfill the mitzvot as best as they can. So the idea is that people not use that as a, as a excuse to go have a big meal. The basic assumption is that should you have to eat, because you just know yourself, you know you're getting sick. So you have to eat. You should eat as little as possible and spread it out over as long a time as possible. So, for example... You know, if, if, let's just say you, in the course of the day, you know that you're going to need 10 ounces of food. It would be good to have one ounce spread out on 10 different occasions rather than sit down and 
you know, have, have a larger amount than one. Uh, our page will introduce the idea that there are hierarchies of misdeeds, hierarchies of sins. You find yourself in a bad situation. You, the, again, the case they, they give is a pregnant woman who smells either the sacrificial food, which is, is restricted to the Kohanim, or Basar Chazir, she smells some nice yummy pork barbecue going on, and she just simply has to have it. You should give her the least bad sins first. You should, if need be, just put a few drops of the broth of that dish on, on her lips. And if that, if that doesn't get the job done, then you can, she can sip the broth itself. And if that doesn't get the job done, she's still sick and she's still needy, then you've exhausted your options and then you can have, she can have the meat itself. And our page will go on and say that the reason for that hierarchy, if, if, if it comes down to it and you just have to eat the tray food or the otherwise restricted food, is because nothing can trump the uh, need to save a life, except for idol worship, sexual sins, and shvichut damim, murder. There are derivations given for each of those. Uh, the reason you should never do idol worship, even at the cost of your life, is that you are supposed to love God, as the Shema says, with all your heart and soul. And that means that with all your soul and all your property, and even if it would cost you your life, you are supposed to continue loving God. It reminds me of the famous statement by Martin Luther King, if a person is not doesn't have something for which they're willing to die, they aren't fit to live. It sounds a little radical, and yet I think that it is deeply true. If your life isn't about anything other than survival, if it is not dedicated to larger purpose, then you really, you're selling life short in all of its meaning. So our page here today says that if you are given the option of, of surviving with the cost of denying Hashem, it's not worth living. It goes on to say, similarly, the sexual sins, and the paradigm case here is rape, that if somebody were to, you know, raping a betrothed maiden, doesn't make me happy to say that the Talmud does restrict it to a betrothed maiden, that is to say, uh, somebody who is already kind of half married, as opposed to a single woman only, but that's what it says, um, that that also is such a terrible act that the person should, should prefer to die rather than do that, and not only that, uh, we bystanders, if they were to see, if bystanders were to see such a crime about to happen, they would be authorized to use violent force, even unto death, to stop the attacker from raping the girl. Uh, there are in this world strongly pacifist arguments to say that one should never use violence. Jewish tradition, in this respect, quite like Catholic tradition, asserts that uh, sometimes violence is necessary in self-defense, and in defense of the otherwise defenseless. So this is called Dean Rodef. If somebody is, is coming to, to kill someone else, or if somebody is coming to rape someone else, it is appropriate to use uh, violence as minimal as possible, but if necessary, even unto death. And our page, on the back side of the page, will go on to articulate uh, that the preference for death before murder is just logical. It's just logical that uh, that you should not save your life at the expense of somebody else's innocent life. Uh, and the story is told here that a person comes asking guidance from the 4th century Babylonian sage Rava that the local despot, some sort of local sheriff or local bully, 
you know, effectively puts a gun to this person's head and says, go kill so-and-so or I will kill you. Rava says to him, Niktalach velotikto. Better you should be killed and not kill. My chazi didama didach how do you know that your blood is redder? Dilma dama dehahugavra sumaktve. Maybe that other fellow's blood is redder. I find that a strange phrase because uh, I think the point is that nobody's blood is redder. Ein dochin nefesh mipnei nefesh is a rabbinic principle. You can't you can't uh, you can't pick what which life gets gets to be saved. They're they're all of infinite value. And this passage that I've just related to you is one of the most famous passages in the Talmud. It's brought here into Tractate Yoma. It's, it's natural habitat, so to speak. Its original location was probably in Tractate Sanhedrin, where you can find it uh, on page 74. And as I said, it articulates that there are, that there are things in this life uh, worth worth dying for, worth martyring yourself for. Fasting on Yom Kippur is not one of them. Shabbat is not one of them. But these three cardinal sins, uh, by the way, in, in Tractate Sanhedrin, it entertains the idea that uh, you should kill somebody before you let them violate Shabbat, or you should kill somebody else before you let them violate Avodah Zarah. Uh, those views are rejected. You should, if necessary, prevent somebody from, from killing another human being or raping another human being with violent force, but you don't do it for ritual purposes. But in your own choice, your own choice-making, uh, the articulation of our page here today is that ritual prohibitions should fall beside the waist, you know, fall by the wayside before you, uh, before you would endanger your own, your own life and health. But these three cardinal things, worshiping the one God without idols, uh, not abusing other people sexually, or not murdering someone, that is, that's, that's not, it's not worth living if you, if you do those things. If you're looking at page Paybet, you'll see, again, on, on uh, the olive side of the dot becomes, continues on the bet side, this massive tosafot. One of the longest Tosafist commentaries has to do with uh, the conditions under which you you uh, might uh, agree to die rather than commit an, an act of violence against another person in the shvichud damim in the murder sense. Some of the cases here are, are like what what people call nowadays trolleyology. If you had to you you would throw somebody before the runaway trolley to save to save the lives of these other bystanders should you push somebody in front of the trolley. Uh, and it also takes up the interesting cases of uh, what should what should rape victims do? Should they fight to the death? Should they endanger their own lives or they should should they submit and uh, and even though it's a terrible abuse, uh, save their own lives. And and the Tosafot say, well, of course, the only logical thing. No, 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 you, you can't ask somebody to uh, to to die rather than be victimized. Uh, people might, I suppose, theoretically choose that, but it's just it's just crazy and wrong to say that there's a moral demand to die in such a case. Uh, all right, thanks for learning this interesting page with me today, and we'll continue on with Pikuach Nefesh tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.